by their own self. We have not come of our own free will. We come because you called us and you called us for a purpose. You called us because there is a work to be done in the land. You called us because you've counted us worthy and qualified enough to be able to address the issue in the land. You called us because truth must prevail over every falsehood in all its permeations in our society. We lift your name on high, Father. We are called, we are chosen, we are anointed by you. Kalima Sandalabashata. God demonstrates his love towards us that while we are yet in our Christ, died for the ungodly. So that we can be a perfect match for the odds and the problem in the land. And so that we can be the correction everyone looks forward to. Lord, we yield to what you are doing in our time. We yield to what you are doing in our days. By the spirits, by the spirits, by the armor of light, by the armor of the truth, we yield. You called us and we come. As we go in your word, you speak to us. Hallelujah. Okay. This very hour, we want to go into the word of God again. And as you have known for some time now, the Lord has been confronting us with a need to live up to expectation. Because there was a plan on his mind when he made his son to die for us. And based on this fact, we've been looking at series of studies. Lately, I spoke about God's formula for the saints. And primarily, I focused on Psalm chapter 23, verse 6. When David wrote that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. Considering that scriptures, I made efforts to explain that the goodness spoken about is God himself. Because it is in God good is contained because in that scriptures before david mentions that goodness and mercy will follow him he had first mentioned in verse one that there is a shepherd that leads we said that goodness david spoke about is also the fruit of the recreated human spirit that is it is a product of righteousness that is the product of God out of me. It is God revealing himself, manifesting himself. And I mentioned categorically that this goodness will not mean the goodness of life. We don't mean what you have come to enjoy alone. It must focus on him who brought it. Then I began to show you from Matthew chapter 19 how that a certain man met Christ and asked him, to show him how he inherits eternal life. But then what captured Jesus' attention first before he supplied the answer to the question of the man is the address of the man. 
the man called him good teacher and christ made him realize as he's making us realize now that no one is good except god that is there is no good in man like apostle paul said in romans chapter 7 he said in me there is nothing good so christ made that man to realize that the only person that has goodness exclusively in himself and that is good by himself is god so in entering eternal life a man has to recognize god's nature and has to recognize god's intention that god is not just giving us eternal life as uh, a means of rewarding us it was his plan that we share of his heritage it was his plan that we step into his love it was his plan to give us a relief after a lifetime of struggle so goodness is god himself i also took you to genesis chapter 1 where we began to look at the iteration i mean the refrain of the writer, I mean, the narrator, where he kept on saying that when God decrees a thing to be, that there is always a performance. And after the performance, God will iterate over and over that those things are good. And we see this scattered in verses 4, 10, 12, 18, 21, 25, and 31 of Genesis. We also saw how God told Moses in Exodus chapter 33 that we make his goodness to pass before him. I also mentioned the fact that uh, James recognizes that all good gifts and perfect gifts come from God in whom there is no shadow of turning. Then I also mentioned that this goodness also is a product of the anointing as well as is the fruit of the spirit as much as it is the uh, fruit of righteousness which is the the end result of our faith the scripture says that the end result of faith is the salvation of our soul the deliverance of our soul from the bondage from the hatred from envy from wickedness so that which comes out of a man after he encountered god is goodness so when david said goodness and mercy shall follow me he also meant what apostle paul says when he says the grace of our lord jesus the love of god and the fellowship shall abide with you it meant what apostle paul meant in galatians chapter 5 that these are the spirit uh, the fruit of the spirit he meant what he meant in that same scriptures when it says that those who have christ have crucified the flesh and the and its passion therefore what characterizes their life now becomes god's nature so that goodness is not uh, that you won um a contract that you won a good job that your marriage you went through successfully that you won a scholarship that your wife is delivered safely of, of a child uh, it's neither what you enjoyed but rather your relationship with god and what came out of that relationship that was what i dealt with basically but this very morning i want to look at another subject the lord had impressed strongly on me and here I will title it before faith came. Before faith came. And I'm going to be reading from Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. Before faith came. Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 3, verse 23.
before faith came or still you can call it before Christ came and in this study basically I want to look at an administration that had preceded the coming of Christ and I want to prove to you by the grace of God how that God had brought us into ease how that God had brought us into the place of rest where there is no cause of alarm, where there is no cause of fear, where there is no need to panic because now we have come to the place of trust, we have come to the place of rest, we have come to the place um, where our burdens have been rolled away, both the burden of sin and the struggle to break free from the harassment, from the uh, olds of sin. Now we have the freedom mankind in ages past had long to have christ had become that freedom christ had become that victory and we have got to be conscious of this so we want to see an administration that is governing you as an individual an administration that is governing those who are in christ hallelujah christ is the substance of all things christ is the reality behind all things christ is what god is dealing christ is what god is teaching out to people and now god is showing us the intricacies and what is what blessing what inheritance we have coming to you know in ephesians chapter one apostle paul spoke about the exceeding greatness of his inheritance and the sin that is amazing that is mind-blowing that we have not just come for nothing we have not just come to the father to beg we have come into an inexhaustible provision and apostle paul identifies it sometimes as the glory of the grace sometimes he calls it abundance of grace sometimes he calls it the riches of his grace but the point is that this thing we came to interact with this thing we came to handle is an inexhaustible package that had been in God from the foundation of the head. In fact, as a matter of fact, that is one of the reasons why creation was brought forth. And you are very fortunate to come into this. And why is it necessary to keep iterating those things we come to interact with in God? It is very necessary because we cannot appropriately maximize what God is doing in our lives as an individual and as members of the body of Christ if our attention is not placed on these things God had accomplished and very interestingly we are not yet to discuss about what God wants to do or what God is planning to do we are not trying to pray up that which God um, is unwilling to do but we want to force him to do but we have come to interact we have come to stay at we have come to undo we have come to touch we have come to interact we have come to relate we have come to enjoy that which God had done and Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8 made us to realize that those who will work in the spirit that is those who will work in the reality of what God had, had done are to keep their eyes on the things of the spirit then I ask to myself what are the things of the spirit then my heart goes back to Colossians chapter 3 where the scripture says that if you are risen with Christ you have got to keep your eyes on things above that is what are the things above on the resurrection of Christ and that which resurrection have brought us 
by implication when the scripture says that those who walk in the spirit has to keep their eyes on the spirit it meant that one of the ways to maximizing god's grace one of the ways to enjoying all that god has in place for you is for you to keep in your mind is for you to keep close your heart is for you to incessantly meditate meditate on the which christ had accomplished for you so there is something that has been done to your credit. Christ had settled a debt, and that is the gospel. That is the goodness. That is the light. The scripture says, "Had shined into darkness, and anywhere this message goes, no darkness has confronted confronted it." And you know the funniest? God had not brought us to Himself. God had not revealed Himself for, to us um, without empowering us. He revealed Himself. He showed us packages and he gave us an anointing no devil can withstand. He didn't just give us a blessing. He gave us a blessing and secured us. I like that portion, um, I know in, in Ephesians, um, in Ephesians, I think chapter 6, I'm seeing chapter 6 in my spirit, where Apostle Paul began to recode a part of the Ten Commandments and says that the first commandment, uh, or the, the, the first commandment, yes, the first commandment actually that attracts blessings, it's not the first commandment actually, but the one that attracts blessings of all the commandment is that you honor thy father and the mother so that your days may be long on earth and so that the lord may bless you i wish i can see that scriptures but i just want to eat the focus this hour now there are two blessings god promises there to one who honors his father and his mother see so that your days may be long and so that i can bless you a paraphrase of the scriptures so in god's provision for us he had not just given us things to enjoy without security so he delivered us and he secured us all together he didn't just secure us by just putting angels charge over us He's, he placed his authority in us hallelujah but then I feel one of the best ways to see this thing that Christ had done for us is to look at the administration that governed men before Christ. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, all the scriptures we are reading today took about 1,400 years to compile. And Moses was the first person who began to write. Although um, we know there are other books that had been, we don't know whether they came by traditions or um, whether they came actually uh, by um, revelation but we don't have some parts of those scriptures again in the text we carry today as the bible such book as the book of enoch okay but then in jude chapter one we saw that jude quoted from the book of enoch but we don't have that part of the scriptures in the bible so if you want to look at it um historically you see that the, the account of enoch will outdate what moses recounted but as it were by the order i mean chronological order of the scriptures we saw that the five books of moses came first and in those narrations, we begin to take a glimpse at what God will be doing in time to come, which he had actually given a full expression now. So, in looking at those um, historic work, never you forget that those things Moses wrote in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Number, and Deuteronomy are not just history. They are the cause of things. They are the explanation of things. They are the inception of things and God's involvement in them, which make us to see that God is active, 
actively involved in the cases and in the matters and the situations of the earth and he had not just left the world to life alone he had not just left the world indifferent unconcerned unmoved unperturbed but that he had brought about solution and that god's solution is the only solution and any other solution that seeks to override that which god had provided will be disappointed so we want to look at, at i mean we want to look at the administration that preceded Christ, I want to see the administration that we work in today by the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Bless God forevermore. So back to that scriptures I referenced. Galatians chapter 3 verse 23. Galatians 3:23. It's very pertinent. I mentioned that we are going to be seeing a lot of scriptures. A lot of scriptures. But I will open with the scriptures. I will open with the scripture. Galatians 3, verse 23 reads: But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Now, you see that when men were kept unto faith, they were not actually kept from faith. God kept the faith for you, for me. But like Apostle Paul wrote in in Romans chapter 5, that in due time, Christ died for us. Never you forget that the due time is necessary because Christ already was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. In other words, Christ was not an eventual plan. When God's plan or when God's initial plan failed, Christ was the initial plan. So before God said, let there be light, before Genesis 1-1, God already had made Christ to suffer for you. So this substitutionary work of the cross was not what God thought about some 2,000 years ago. It had long been with God. God saw it necessary. God saw it as a a, a sacrifice required before he set forth to express that which is on his mind. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus help us here. So we saw that Apostle Paul said before faith came, we were kept under the law. Now, the law there is an administration. And I'm going to mention five things about that administration. And before I look at about 12 other things that this administration um, brought about to men who lived under it. Okay, you know, in Romans chapter 6, Apostle Paul spoke about the fact that you are not under the law, but now you are under grace. So, there is a shift in, in, in system of administration, in governance, divine. And it's necessary we understand how God is dealing with us now, so that we can better relate with Him. So that we can know that the best you could ever have cannot be gotten in your job outside God. Or as, outside God. And that there is nothing on earth that is worth compromising God. Because the best deal, the best offer you could ever get anywhere, ever, is in God. Hallelujah. There's no one like God. 
it can't be compared is the holy and true God. He is the, the only true God. Hallelujah. Before faith came, I'm still iterating that scriptures. I just want us to understand the truth of that scriptures before we begin to proceed. I read again, before faith came. Now, what is this faith that comes? Now, the faith there refers to the work of Christ. To the, to the substitutionary work of Christ. To the reconciliation Christ brought about by his death. Now, why faith came now is that it is this faith that comes. It's believing in that which Christ had done. John chapter 1. I'm coming back to that scriptures. At least John was... I mean, John the Baptist was one... Of those who introduced Christ. And when John, the beloved, was writing, he actually described the requirements to connect him into the ministry of Christ. And that requirement is believing. So when a man believed in that which Christ had come to do, then that which he believed in is referred to as his faith. So what you call faith, which is usually what you use to getting things from God, what you use to getting objects, what you use in getting your needs met, what you think you need to have your prayer answered, is no faith. Faith actually from the context of the scriptures is agreeing and believing that the death of Christ and his resurrection was done for your sake. That Christ took your place. That Christ suffered for your wrong. And the basis of faith or what brought about faith is believing. That is to agree the word is um, decayous to be convinced that what is done was done for you. So before faith came, now in other words, before I believed in Christ, that's what Apostle Paul is saying. Before Christ appeared on earth, that could also mean. So before faith came, we were kept under the Lord. That this one of the works of faith is to make us to live rightly. Because the essence of the law is to make us right. Romans chapter 10, the scripture or says, Apostle writing, quoting Moses says that Moses told the people that the person who does the law will live by the law. In other words, the law was a system of justice, a system God put in place to help man to live rightly. So then, the law is God's system of making man to live as he ought to. Of making man to live orderly, of making man to coordinate his life reasonably, accountably, responsibly, and plainly. Now, the law is a system God puts in place to ensure that man lives plainly within and without. The man deals with others as God will deal. And why was the law introduced? Because from Adam to Moses' death reign. Now, what is that death? Death is the power of sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. In other words, when the scripture says that from Adam to Moses' death reigns, it meant that in that generation, there was the force of sin. There was the force of death. The devil had power to ruin anyone because he had baited everyone to fall into sin. 
So when Moses came and the Lord came through him, John chapter 1, there was an administration. For the first time, man is pricked and quickened to see the danger of sin and to recognize him. But then man was not empowered to live above it. But in this administration, we are not just only forgiven sin. In those generations, their sins were remitted for a year. Now, in this administration, our sin is forgiven. Our sin is forgotten. And not just that, we are given deliverance from sin. And we are also granted victory over sin. Hallelujah. So we have something superior than they had. Before faith came, that is, before I became born again, that is, before I connect to what God had done in Christ, I was under the law. Now, the law there refers to the religious law God gave to Moses, which explicits that which a man must do to live rightly in his community, which explicits that which a man must do to be pleasing with God, which explicits that which a man must do to be qualified for God's blessing. But in the generation, I mean the administration, we are now under the grace of Christ. God qualified me, blessed me in his son, then asked me to demonstrate that blessing. So when Isaiah wrote, Arise, shine, for the light is come, for the glory of God had risen. Not the glory of God will be risen. That is, God said, look, I have put the deposit on the inside of you. I have finished the work on your behalf. Now you rise and demonstrate Christ's teaching in the, in, in, in the attitude. He said that, uh, let your light so shine before me, that they may see your good works, and they will glorify your Father in heaven. What was Christ saying? Christ said that good works demonstrate God. Good works is a pointer to God. Good works is a reference to God. And anyone that portrays himself such that he demonstrates this God's character, he calls good works, is a person that had had God tabernacling him. That was why he replied that man that came after him that no one can be good except God. So anyone that seems to be good, or that is actually good in our dealing with him must be somebody who had encountered the cross. Before faith came, before you became born again, before Christ came on earth, we were under the law. That's the scriptures. We were kept under the law. But I want to show you the scriptures. We want to see what brought about faith and what that faith is all about because we must understand this concept. Actually, the Greek word means pistus, which is conviction, but conviction and worth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, I'll read from John chapter 1 verse 12. But many, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe in his name. In other words, this faith that came is what we attribute to be believing in the Son of God. I'm trusting the Holy Ghost to give me more scriptures. Believing in the Son of God. Believing Christ as the substitute. He says, as many will receive him. Now, to receive means to believe. 
to accept that which God had accomplished for us in Christ, to accept that Christ is the manifestation of God in the flesh. To them, he gave the power to be the son, to be an offspring, to be the heirs of God, even to them that believe on his name. So faith is believing on the name of Christ. In 1 Peter, let me show you. 1 Peter chapter 1. We are looking at the basis of this faith and what that faith is all about. 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read from verse 7 and 8. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of, than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Christ. Now, this is faith. Now, verse 8 now explains what this faith is, this trial of faith, and what that faith is actually. Verse 8 says, Whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though not ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoicing with joy unspeakable, and full of glory, verse 9, receiving the end of it. So what did Apostle Peter calls faith? My belief in the Christ I had not seen. My belief. So when he said before faith came, he talks about the Father, before Christ came to do that which we believe in. The administration was the law. So we have got to understand the law. And the reason why the law was introduced, and what the law is meant for, and why we don't need to keep the law to be accepted by God. That's what I'm going to be dealing with in this subject. So faith is believing in Christ. Believing that he suffered for you. Believing that he's the son of God. And Apostle Peter said, this believing is the same thing as of faith. But then the end result of faith is salvation. That is why in Titus, I think chapter 2, um, one of the verses in chapter 2, Apostle uh, Paul wrote, he said, the grace of God that brings about salvation had appeared to all men. In Ephesians chapter 2, it talks about the fact that you are saved through faith. In other words, the faith is required for salvation. And the end result of faith is salvation. So before faith came, talks about an administration that preceded Christ. And now the Apostle Paul is trying to do a contrast of what we came now, what we came into now in Christ and what used to be obtainable before Christ came. Hallelujah. Glory be to God forever. Let me show you one more scripture, then we we'll go back to what we are iterating. Let me read Romans chapter 4. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 4. Hallelujah. Before faith came, we want to look at that faith. Peace too, that conviction. Conviction and worth. Conviction and wealth. All right, I'm going to read from verse 21 to 25. And being fully persuaded, referring to Abraham, that he that what he had promised that that is what God had promised him, he was able to perform. 
and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness, for right living. It was accounted to him that that is what he ought to do in that situation or in his relationship with God. Now, it was not only written for his sake alone. The old narrative is not just about Abraham. It's more about you and me that it was imputed to him. But for us also to whom it shall be imputed. What shall be imputed? Righteousness. That we will be able to be righteous. If we believe on him that raised Jesus up. On him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Now what is the faith Apostle Paul refers to when he says before faith came? It is faith in the works of Christ. Now we want to look at what used to be obtainable and what life used to be before faith came. Alright, back to that scripture, Galatians chapter 3 verse 23. Hallelujah. But before faith came, we were kept under the law. That is, we are under the influence of the law. The law dominates us. What does that mean? It meant that what makes man to live rightly, how man can live rightly, is only by the law. And that is why he asked to learn the law verbatim. That is why he had to be indoctrinated in the law. That is the law of Moses, that which God specifies. And what's the content of the law? They are codes, they are requirements, they are demands, they are system of justice, they are edicts, they are regulations that regulates the society, that regulates an individual in his dealing with God and his dealing with fellow human beings. And this is also what we render as righteousness. That is, the goal of the law is to make man to be righteous, to be exact, to be accurate, to be precise, to be straightforward, to be plain before God and man. And the end result of this is to teach man one thing, that God is love and the essence of creation is love, not envy. We are not formed to compete with anybody. If there's anything you compete with in your, with in your life, uh, with in your life, it should be that which God had created you to be. You've got to know that you are going to give account of your life, and this is a challenge to us. That God says, "Look, I am a Father. I have brought you to myself through Christ." But it is good you see me. Although those guys, before you walked in shadow of reality, I have brought you to reality. But then you have got to understand what was on my mind. I like Ephesians. Now, let's see what was on God's mind before he allowed Christ to die. That's very essential. That will help us to grasp the scope of, of righteousness. Because the, 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 the essence of the Lord is to ensure righteousness. And righteousness is not just right in living. Righteousness is living according to God's standards or living by God's prescriptions. It is God's design for man. And close to a year now, I've been considering this subject. And it seems to me, as I've seen in the scriptures, that the all of the scriptures is to show man God, and God is wanting God's righteousness. And this righteousness is not just a concept, it is a lifestyle, it is a nature that God had ordered and arranged the man should walk in before the contamination. 
Now let me show you God's purpose in Ephesians chapter 1. Apostle Paul took us back to the pre-Adamic world and showed us what God was thinking before he, he swung back to creation. There were theories that before uh, there was the creation of the material world in which Adam was the governor, the ruler, that there had been a pre-Adamic world we don't know how to. And there will be references to the scriptures. But the scriptures don't a reference. The scripture is an ideology and it's God's ideology. We are not much more concerned about theories as much as we are concerned about what God is doing. There are things in the scriptures that is not relevant at all to what God is doing. So we don't focus on that. So whether there had been a world before Adam or uh, there was no a world before Adam, God knows. We know in part, but we don't mention that. We speak that which is awesome. Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, teach those words that is awesome to doctrines, to sound doctrines. And when he mentioned, he mentioned how men ought to live. That is the sound doctrine. So God is making a, a, a race of man that are jealous for good works, that are living after God, that are driven by God, that are bent to God. So check God's mind in the pre-Adamic world. Blessed be the God, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us. That is in the order of what he has chosen. That is the blessing we have in Christ is the proportion of what was on God's mind. That what we have in Christ is the reality of what was on God's mind when he started creating, even before the fall of Adam. According as he has chosen us before the foundation of the world. So what we see now in Christ is a reality. So when God was dealing with Abraham, God was finding a way to communicate his intention and he had just if he has used illustration figures, examples, and every other thing he could to bring those men to, 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 to that which he wants to do. But there was a limitation because it takes the spirit of the living God to bring man to appropriate that which God had in mind. According as he has chosen us before, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy. That is that is beautiful. Agios, which means to be separated, which means to be to be clear, which means to be pure, which means to be plain. He blessed us. That is, he had brought us into the reality of what was on his mind before creation. Oh, glory be to God forevermore. Christ is the truth expressed. So believers are God's weapon on earth. We are threats to the devil, not just by casting it out, but because wherever we appear, we uphold the truth of God. And it's going to be a disappointment. It's going to be a defeat of every intention when we compromise God's values wherever we are found or for whatever comes our way. He has blessed us with spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. And this blessing now is talking about reality in Christ. This is the truth we have come into in Christ. And this truth is according to what he has chosen before the foundation of the world. 
So the idea of the gospel preceded Adam, preceded Abraham, preceded Noah, preceded Enoch, preceded Moses. So when Moses was writing the law, what God was giving to him is what's going to be the pattern. And bless God, when Christ appeared on earth, we have a series, I mean, collection of his messages scattered in the book of John and scattered in a part of Matthew. For instance, Matthew chapter 5, Christ began a series of teaching. And he began to show men how they ought to live in the kingdom. And as he was surrounding off that teaching, he said, guys, what I've shown you is a kingdom. He said, thine is the kingdom, that this kingdom belongs to God. And it has a power, it has a glory. And when he came to chapter 6, the latter verses, he said, guys, what you have got to seek in a lifetime is this pattern of living. It's the kingdom and its principles. So righteousness is the principle of living. It's a system of justice. And that's the end of the gospel. Deliverance from the bondage of corruption. Deliverance from that which had erred, you are victim to your own appetite, to your own desire. You know, there's nothing as pathetic as a man suffering in his own house. Look at a man whose wife has, has prepared delicacies and in his own house is hungry and is denied from assessing his own part. How depressing that is. That was what the devil did to us. He wanted to stand and he actually stood in the way between you and God, but God rooted him out. So faith was necessary. And before faith came, you were blind. And if you have not received what Christ has done, you are still blind. You can't even assess God. The best of your efforts cannot merit what God had packaged. Bless God for him. So what was on God's mind? That we should be holy, that is, we should be agios. Now check the word. It's the word holy there is not used as an adjective. It's used as a nature. We should be separated. We should be different. We should be distinct. Without blame, without any error, without any wrinkle, without any spot, without moral flaws, without indecency, without indiscipline. Before him, as we walk in love. So the essence of agios and dikeusine is agape, is love. And that was the controversies God had with nations. Read the prophets. When God raises controversies, He raises controversies as to the attitudes, the reactions, the responses, the dealings of the people with Him and with their fellow human beings. Hallelujah. So God is correcting an anomaly. And it's making us right with him by faith. The only way we connect to God and we can be right with him is faith. So if you think God is crazy about your offering, your activities, how much you give, how punctual you are in church, 
and you never saw this picture, you have mixed it a big time. And that's the damage religion is doing. It has not just started, it was in the days of Christ. Christ coded those Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sahindrins and the scribes because they would not allow the people to assess God and they have nowhere going. And they are not preachers who are pastors of mega churches but have turned their back against God. They are no longer straightforward in the doctrine. Apostle Paul charged Timothy. He said, Timothy, teach those things that are awesome for sound doctrine. So God is more concerned about who we became. He didn't just ask us to believe and that is all. As a matter of fact, in the previous study, I made you realize that God has three formulas in making the saints. One, he makes us believe in what he had done. Two, he makes us who he is. And three, he brings us to the place of behaving what we become. So it does not just end on the cross. The cross is the beginning of a journey in God. We are calling to an adventure. So you have a responsibility. You have got to watch your character. We don't teach character as, 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 as morals or what is required to, to keep peace in the society. It is our life. Because it reveals God. Hallelujah. Agio separated. Now let me show you something. If I don't touch anything more, if I mention this, I think I've done something about it. I want to show you who God is. And I believe that if we can, by the grace of God, see who the Father is, then we can live rightly. The goal of righteousness is to live correctly. And until you encounter God, until you see God, you can't be Him. When God made Adam in his own image, he made him in his own capacity. God made him his representative, not just in administration, but in being. And that is why God allowed even translators of the scriptures to carefully include in Genesis 1 and 6 that God made man in his image, not just in his form alone, but in his likeness also, in his nature. If God is justice, you must be justice. I will show you two pictures of God. Because my, my greatest dream is to describe God to mankind. It's my life's assignment. We have prayed for ages. We have fasted for ages. We have awaited the manifestation of God's power. But it's high time. We are not just crazy to demonstrate him we never knew. And it's my prayer that God will become clearer to us. As we see his word. And as we see who he is. Let me show you two scriptures. And these two scriptures does not talk about religion as much as it describes the object of worship. Ephesians chapter 4. Let me show you two descriptions. I'm going to tie scriptures together. 
Let me read from verse 1. I'm going to take scriptures. Then I'm going to connect it thoughts. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, Ephesians chapter 4, beseech you to work worldly. Now check the word work worldly. Why worldly? That is, you may work substandard to what you are. To work what it means to work accordingly as befitting. Work world is a call of the vocation. And the word vocation there means your practice. So this faith thing is not a religion. It is a practice. Like a lawyer practices in his chamber. Like a teacher teaches in the classroom. Like a doctor works in an hospital or works in an hospital. Like a psychologist does his counseling. Like a philosopher does his analysis and perception of truth or concepts. The believer is to work worthy of Christ. That is to work to match Christ. That is, you have something to match up with. You have a standard to live up to. So Apostle says, you have got to work word and check it, guys. This is not the only scriptures Apostle Paul uses in this thing. He uses it in so many other scriptures. Time will not permit me. I can't finish this teaching here. We are going to do part two. Father will bless you. Thank you, Father. Let's worship you. Sandala bakashata bayada basata. Keboraba shandalaba. Hedebo sakata mandesha. Give you the praise, Jesus. Oh, lama kambando shabalade. Segeria da basantaka lama shida. Fredege bazikido makaparanama sintale kabaradesha. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, back to the study. Now, it's a work world of your vocation where which you are called. Apostle Paul repeated this same phrase in Colossians 1 10 when he wrote that you might work worthy of the Lord. Work to match the Lord so there is something to match. Not the doctrine of your pastor. Not the requirements of the church. Not the tenant of your church. You are to match some of the work worthy of the one who called you. Hallelujah. Okay. Now let, let, let's now read on. Okay. Now how are we to work worthy? With all lowliness and meekness and long suffering, forbearing one another. Now check those attributes. They are not just concepts. They are not just mere words. They are revelation of what you should be. Now check those words. Meekness. Lowliness. Moderacy. With long suffering, ability to tolerate, forbearing one another, all these should work in love. All these together is what is called love. Now I join the scriptures. Verse seven. But unto one, unto every one of us, is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Never you forget where I'm taking you to. I want to show you the picture of God. And my goal is to show you that. 
all that God requires from us, He requires because He has plagues in us. And all that God requires of us is to produce Him as a nature. And that production is behavioral. It's interpersonal. And that is the object of righteousness. Living plain before God and man. You know, I was begging the Lord that he would just give me a word to explain this same righteousness. Because for, for over a year, I've been studying, I've been writing, and I've been teaching righteousness. I've read Kenyo, I've read E-K, um, E.W. Kenyo, I've read um, Kenneth E. Egin, I mean Agins, but there seems to be this restlessness that I've not touched the real substance. I understand it, but it's just too big to explain who God is. Actually, a single word that encapsulates him is righteousness. But that righteousness seems to be even bigger than what our concept could fathom. I keep it reiterating right, righteousness, the condition of a man, the state of a man. I mean, the state of a man's heart first before God that makes him to live rightly before man. So, I begin to ask the Lord, Lord, can you give me a word that helps me to describe this? And some few things came. The Lord begins to give me words such as exactness, correctness, accuracy, right living, right being, straightforwardness, love, consideration and concern for others. So righteousness has to do with dealings with others because of God had dealt with it. So it takes God dealing with us and God had dealt with us in Christ. That is the administration. In the administration before the Lord, God requires that a man becomes righteous before he can deal with that man. But in Christ, God dealt with us already and asked us to live that which he had placed in us. So what greater condemnation we are which those who take common the blood of Christ? And I couldn't fathom how men cannot enter into this reality. What costs you nothing? Imagine somebody who had called you to a free lunch. You won't pay a dime. You had even dropped his vehicle to come and pick you from your own house and you decline. Such an invite. How would you feel so, such a person is dying of ulcer or dying of hunger? Christ gave a parable along the line. A man prepared a feast and invited people to come in. He asked his servant to tell them that all things are made ready for them. But do they come? That is the same attitude people are still having towards the provision of God in Christ. So righteousness is being plain in and out. It is a justice in your relationship and in your dealings with all. It is fairness. It is judging and relating as God himself would. It is reasoning, dealing, responding, acting, speaking as God himself. 
Hallelujah. So back to the scriptures. Verse 7 now says that. But unto everyone is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So when Apostle Paul said the work world of your vocation, he went on to say there is a grace and enablement. The Greek word is charisma, which you do not merit. God had put in you in Christ. And the grace according to the gift of Christ. Now, what's the gift of Christ? Life. In name is life. The life is the light of man. John chapter 10. The thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. But I have come to give life and to give it abundantly. And this is the promise he promises first John even eternal life and this is eternal life John chapter 14 that they may believe the only true God and Jesus whom he had sent so Paul said there is a gift and an, an enablement a charis according to to the grace of God in other words you know th- those two words are synonymous when that scripture says and unto everyone is given grace. The word grace means courage. On the self mercy. On the self favor. On the self gift. Bonuses. According to the measure. Of the courage of Christ. So there is grace. To live world. God is not demanding that what you can't do. No. He's not such a father. As a matter of fact, when Christ came to reveal the father, he revealed him not as God, who lords it over you, but as the father who loves you. And in fact, he was was teaching, I mean, he taught his disciples that the kings of the earth lord it over themselves. I mean, lord over their subject. But he said, amongst this kingdom I'm creating, it is not so. So Christ teach a pattern of living when we come to the kingdom. We are not saved by these requirements, but that's what we are saved for. You know, it's not like a person who is um, given an employment so that he could administrate for an organization and when he was employed he had no qualification for that position and imagine look at his imagining his boss getting the qualification from for him training him and doing everything to qualify him and after he had qualified him at his own expense sent him to school at his own expense then he hired him to work in his organization for effective administration and such a person is brought into that company and yet we act like a novice i don't want to use the word novice there's this word i want to use like a quack what do you feel colossians chapter one says that blessed be god who had qualified us were the saints so we have been qualified so a prosper can call you to work worthy because he knows that you have met the criteria. Okay. Now let me show you a scripture in Ephesians. 
we are we are looking at god that is the goal if that's what i'm able to do here i think it's worth it colossians chapter 1 verse 12 giving thanks unto the father that is we bless the father which had made us mate the kjv said he had made us mate the new kjv said he had made us to be partaker now, partaker of what? Of the inheritance of the saint, of what the saint come to hold in light. Now, what is the light? The gospel is the light. There's no time I would have taken through scriptures. Second Corinthians chapter 4. The gospel is light. If our gospel is it is it from those whose the God of this world had blinded their mind, lest the light of the blessed gospel should shine in their hearts. And as God commanded the light to shine out of darkness, the author went forth. He has signed the light of the blessed gospel in our heart. We have this treasure, that is the light, in this early vessel. Why? That the glory of excellence, that as we begin to walk in this life, there is an excelling nature of God in us. And the glory points back to God. So he said he had made us to be a partaker of inheritance. So we came into something in Christ. Now, verse 13 tells us what that is all about. Who are delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of the Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. And who is the person who it is? He gave us the profile of Christ. He is the image of the invincible God. Hallelujah. So back to Colossians, uh, to Ephesians chapter 4. We are looking at who God is and why He's asking us to walk world. He had given us grace according to the measure that is available in Christ. Now, He didn't just give us grace, He gave us men to ensure it, like I'm teaching now. It's an assignment. He brought in contact with men who have understood this. Look at what John wrote in 1 John chapter 1. He said that which you have seen, that which you have heard, that which you have understood concerning the world of life. That this life was revealed by the Father. I said we have written to you so that you can come into fellowship because we have got a fellowship with the Father. And this fellowship is about the light. And if we walk in the light as it is in the light, we have fellowship with Him. So the essence of the gospel light is to bring man into communionship. And as one relates with God, he picks the character of God. Which are possible called the fruit of the spirit. But then one can come into this reality and yet he is not aware. You know, in our devotional series, I've been teaching about how to maximize God's grace. We are studying the book of Romans, which is a book on God's righteousness. God's requirement from a man and God's expectation from you. Then in chapter 8, Apostle Paul showed us that once we have received the grace in Christ, received the atonement of Christ, received the substitutionary work of the cross, that then we are in the Spirit. But then he began to show us the difference between being in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, and walking in the Spirit. Then he says, to live in the Spirit is to be led by the Spirit. Then I began to see that there is a difference between being in the Spirit, being used of God, living in the Spirit, and walking in the Spirit. Then he went on to talk about walking in the Spirit. Then he told us how we walk in the Spirit. He said those who walk in the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. 
and the things of the spirit are the things Christ had accomplished. So he gave us men to explain to us the truth of Christ. To explain to us our liberty and the consequences of the liberty. Okay, now we've seen that. Now you now go to verse 10. He that descended in the same also ascended up above the heavens that he might fill all things. Fill all things, that is to restore all things. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Why? Till we all come into the unity of faith, till we all understand in the same way what God is doing. And of the knowledge of the Son of God, so that we can understand the Son of God, also the perfect man, also the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So there is something to match up with the stature of Christ. And in the administration, God did not actually reveal himself. He came in the in the in, in, in the glory cloud. He spoke from the glory cloud. He gave them loss, but the people still found it very difficult to live with him. But God indeed dispensation had come in form of Christ. And now his expectation is that now we should match up with good crisis. Hallelujah. So what is the consequence of sin of this? Verse 14. I'm jumping the scriptures. That we henceforth be no more children. So we have God to grow. We have God to match up with the standards in Christ. We have God to be edified. We have God to come to the unity of it. We have come to know who Jesus Christ is. We have come to be a old man, a perfect man, an agios, a consistent man in our work with God. We have got to measure up to the stature of Christ. If we will not be henceforth, tossed to and fro, by every rings of doctrine, by every kind of teaching, by slatement and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie away to the sea. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head of Christ. So we are growing up in Christ. So Christ is the measure. And how do we grow? The truth has to be teach, to be taught rather. We have got to see the reality. We have got to relate with this truth. You have got to see that which Christ has done. That was why Apostle Paul said, those who will walk in the Spirit must set their mind on the things of the Spirit. They have got to be taught the things of the Spirit and they have got to meditate on the things of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted but at which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, verse 17, we are looking at who God is. So we have to follow these instructions. I'm going to a place. Therefore, I say, therefore, therefore, this I see and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth work not as other genders work in the vanity of their mind so the which god did he was doing for a reason to stop me from the way i have lived romans chapter 5 chapter 6 verse 1 you cannot continue in sin and you want to maximize god's grace 
Sin is an eliminating factor. It does not, I mean, grace is an eliminating factor. And even sin is an eliminating factor. Why sin eliminates from God and brings you to the arena where your soul is jacked to death. Grace is an eliminating factor. It frees you from the grip of darkness, from the authority of darkness. And I mean the devil. So why had Christ become the substitute so that I will no longer be a child tossed to and fro so that I can grow up to the stature of Christ so that I can come to know who Jesus Christ is and so that I will stop working as the rest of the Gentiles who are Gentiles. Let's address that first. Ephesians chapter 2. Who are Gentiles? Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11. We are going to read through 13. Wherefore remember that you were in time past Gentiles in the flesh. Now what is Gentiles? Who are caught uncircumcised, that is they have no covenant with God. By that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. You know the circumcision was the seal of God's covenant. That is uh, a physical sign of God's covenant. Okay, so we don't have any covenant with God. We have nothing to do with God. That's the point. That in that time is described the Gentile. You were without the anointed, without Christ, no relationship with God. And what is doing? Being aliens, being strangers from the commonwealth of Israel. The commonwealth is a common prosperity or provision for a sect of people or race like the national resources hallelujah and strangers from the covenant of promise having no hope and without god in this world that is the gentile so apostle said you don't walk as the wrecks of the gentiles because now you have god's god now you have hope in God. Now you are now uh, a partaker of the inheritance of the saints. You have access to the commonwealth. Okay, now I move on. Now, how do this Gentile work? Apostle Paul said, In the vanity of the earth. Now, how do they work? Verse 18. Having the understanding, been, having the understanding darkened, one, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, two. Who being past feelings are giving themselves unto lasciviousness, three, to walk all on cleanness and greediness, four and five. Five things about them. There's no time to explain the scriptures. Why do we need to see all this? Because, verse 20 says, But ye have no soul in Christ. So Christ unlearned from us those bad habits. And what's about Christ? Now, let me just jump the scriptures. Let's move to verse um, 22. That ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful laws, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that ye put on the new man. What is about the new man? Which is after God. So the new man 
that apostle Paul, by the grace of God, by the Spirit of the Lord, has trained us to become, to match up with, to walk worthy of, is according to God. It's like God. It's in the image of God, as the likeness of God, as a trait of God, as a character of God. And who is God like? He is created in righteousness and true holiness. So who is God? God is righteousness. God is holiness. God is not just holy. He's holiness. God is not just righteous. He's righteousness. That's the picture of God. So anyone who claims he knows God will not just do that by praying. We don't just do that by fasting. We don't just do that by going to church, paying offerings. You've got to do that the way you deal with others. Now, let me show you lastly. We are close. how God deals, or who God is, or what that righteousness that God is called is. Now, I will take you to Deuteronomy chapter 10, I mean chapter 30. We're going to read from verse 10 to 20. It's never a difficult thing to do. It's never a difficult thing. God said, you don't need to be confused as to how you are going to marry to the sin. I have made it available for you. I have put it at your reach. You don't have to go into the heavens to see who will bring it down for me. Say the word is nearly the word of faith in the mouth. We saw who God is. He's righteous. He's holy. And he has created you according to himself in holiness. Now let me show you the last scriptures. Deuteronomy chapter 10. You want to see God himself. On display, your God revealed Himself so that you will not confuse Him as an order. He showed you who He is. Deuteronomy chapter 10, let's read from verse 12. Now, see what God said. And now, Israel, what does the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God and to walk in all His ways and to love Him. And to serve the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandment of the Lord and the status which I commanded this day for thy good. Behold, the heavens and the heavens of, behold, the heavens and the heavens of heavens is the Lord thy God. The earth also, which all that therein is, only the Lord thy God had a delight in the Father to love them, and he chose their seed after them, and even you above all the people, as it is these days. Circumcise therefore the first skin of your heart and be and be no more stiff neck. For the Lord your God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regarded not persons, nor taketh reward. He doeth executes the judgment of the fatherless and widow, and loveth the strangers in giving him food and raiment. Love ye therefore the strangers, for you are a stranger in the land of Egypt. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him thou shalt serve, and to him thou shalt cleave, and swear by his name. He is a praise and he is a God, and has done for thee these great and terrible things which thou thine eyes have seen. Thy father went down into Egypt with three score and ten persons, and now the Lord thy God had made thee as stars of the multitude. Now this God revealed himself. Say, look, I love strangers. You have to love strangers. I'm merciful. You have to be merciful. I'm loving. You have to be loving. And it says, look, you don't need to wonder how this will be possible. That is in Exodus chapter 30. He said, I have made it easy for you to do. Exodus chapter 30, I said Exodus. Deuteronomy chapter 30 rather, verse 10 to 20. 
He said, look, you don't need to travel to heaven. You don't need to come to heaven. Christ came down to, to do it. And everything God requires from you, admit. The grace has been given. You need a discipline. You need that God will help you to yield. You know, I have found out that all that God had called you to do, demand something from you, yieldedness. So we are going to say, Father, I open up my spirit to come into the fullness of what Christ had accomplished for me. This is faith that I've come into. And I know the law was a system of justice that made it impossible for men to please you. But now I can please you. I receive grace to stand for the truth. Help me to stand for the truth. Help me to stand for the truth. Help me to honor you with my life, with my passion. Thank you for this time, Jesus. Hallelujah. Out of You go, you go from beginning to the end. There's no place for argument. You are God by yourself. You go, you go from beginning to the end. There's no place for argument. You are God by yourself. Hey, hey, hey. you got time and season in your end. You put a out of the grave. Call me your God. I'm bringing it to the but no place for argument You are God of You you cause light to shine out of darkness. Hey, you are the to be the God you are. Nobody shakes my sandal away. You call me yo. You call your God. From beginning to the end 
There's no place for argument. You are God all by yourself. You are God from beginning to the end. There's no place for argument. You are God all by yourself. You are God from beginning to the end. There is no place for argument. You are God by yourself. Oh, 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 oh you go time and season in your hand. You go out of darkness. You call me your There's no place for argument. You are God by yourself. You are God from beginning to the end. You got time and season in your hand.